I believe when we get to heaven, there'll be little badges when you get in your house. There'll be stars. <laughs> kind of like in children's church, you know, when you get little stickers and stuff, that'll be, you know, extra service kind of people. Amen. You're, you're communicating to the Lord that you love Him. Everything you do communicates. And how we, how we come to church and how we attend tells Him how much we love Him. Right. And uh, we love Him. Hallelujah. We, we're going to see Him so shortly, so it would be almost proper and fitting. The Bible says to gather all the more as you see the day approaching. So we will. Hallelujah. Sure good to be with you. Man, I'm excited. I, I, I know we shotgunned a lot of info this morning about end times, but we're so privileged to be living right before the King comes back. So uh, there's some wonderful things in store for all of us uh, right here before we leave the planet. It is kind of bizarre on our brains to actually realize that we're leaving soon. But, you know, we have some time left and we can, we can go out in a blaze of glory and finish uh, in God's style. Book of Acts. People said, what's it going to look like? Well, go from Acts, probably Acts 8, 8, 10, all the way back to Acts 2. That's what the last day church will look like. Uh, demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. Activities of the Holy Ghost. So uh, we, we, we position ourselves to cooperate with God. And uh, take out all the stops. No uh, limitations. Amen. He's very, he's very, very radical. Amen. And, you know, I'll tell you about this. I don't hardly ever do this. And the Lord kind of rebuked me. Because so, you ever get in meetings when the guy preaches on his product and he doesn't have any time to preach? I, I don't like that. So I'm going to tell you seconds about my product. Walking in the miracle realm. I call it the boss realm. You know, it's different verses that help you function in the supernatural. Uh, and that's what we want. We want to make it normal to us. Amen. Not abnormal, normal. Amen. To where it's, it's the ordinary to function with God. Amen. So that one's out there. Here's one. Uh, uh, being eternity in mind. Love that about the reward seat of Christ. How you'll be clothed during the next dispensation. Indicative to how faithful you were in this dispensation. I always say don't be walking around during the millennium in a speedo bathing suit. Come on. You want to have some robes on. Amen. Trust me. That's the way it'll be. Come on now. No, it's okay. Here we go. And angels, please. Yeah. Amen. Uh, I think of my dad. My dad got saved on his deathbed. And I'm like, oh, dad, come on, buddy. We're gonna... You know, in the military, your uniform preaches for you. As badges of valor, you got four stars when you're general. You don't have to tell anybody you're faithful. In the next dispensation, you won't have to tell anybody you're faithful. They'll tell by how you're dressed. Amen. And you want to be clothed with glory and honor, not, not speedo bathing suit. Amen. Hallelujah. Here's angels. Boy, we're going to have a lot of activity of angels. Every time there's a dispensation change, you see an acceleration or more activity, really. And always, in the book of Acts, it was always to get people saved. Acts 10. Uh, to Cornelius, go here, words you can be saved. Uh, Philip, go here, words you can be saved. It was assistance in getting people born again. Not weird, not strange. Divine assistance. So that's two CDs on angels. Normally $1,000, but tonight and tonight only. I don't even know how much this is. How much is it? 14. Uh, 14? There you go. Praise the Lord. Here, oh, quick. Oh, man, I'm not doing good here. Uh, re- a book on gifts of the Spirit. And it has a scratch and sniff page. How cool is that? You can, you can smell what the resurrection is like. No, no scratch and sniff page. Come on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. End times bag. I'm going through it real fast. And Colleen will give them away here in a little bit. Here's a, I, I can't believe I'm doing this. There's a T-shirt here with a picture of Jesus on it. It gets quiet when you say that, but that's all right. Uh, it's from a T.L. Osborne crusade in Java. A Buddhist photographer went to disprove him, took a picture of the crowd, and there's Jesus' picture in the crowd. So that's out there. It's awesome. So uh, get all the stuff you can get. You know, I watch stuff on YouTube that literally you couldn't see years ago. I'm a YouTube junkie. I watch John Osteen. I watch Kenneth Hagin. I continually am feeding myself the word. And there's no excuse for us now, man. There's, we can just be so filled that we're, we can see what God's like through His Word. 
And I believe it's really fun when we get to experience it, too. You know, I was in Boston last week. Now, watch this. A pastor's wife came up to me from Concord, uh, New Hampshire, Tom Peets' church. I was there 25 years ago. She said, I had a word of knowledge, and I didn't even remember it. She said, you had a word of knowledge about fingernails. She said, about 10 or 12 people came down, and I prayed for them. I said, you know, I'll pray for all of you, but you're really not the one I'm looking for. And she had had no fingernail on her ring finger. And so she said, you know, I don't feel comfortable going down, and uh, she was, I don't know what to do. So I prayed for all the people that were in the line. I said, there's still, I'm going to pray for you in faith, but there's actually someone here that there's a, you know, a gift for mercy. So no big deal. So uh, she didn't take it, and about two days later, she said, you know what, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't take that. I'm gonna, I'm, I take that right now. Boom, her fingernail grew in. And that night, her boyfriend asked her to marry her, put a ring on that finger. So isn't that cool? Isn't that cool that, that here Jesus loves you so much, he wants you to have a, ring, a fingernail on the ring finger. He, he's just good. He's just flat good. You know, I was in a Topeka, Kansas, in the Church of the Nazarene one night, years ago. And the youth group was talking while I was preaching. You know, and I was trying to get them with me. You know, I'm usually spinning plates or doing sock puppets, whatever, you know, just to get the people with you. And, and man, I couldn't get them with me. And so uh, I was desperate. So I actually went out there to the youth group. You know, the youth was sitting in an area. And I thought if I got out there to them, they would not talk, you know. And it wasn't about being disrespectful for me. It was the word. I want them to get the word. And they talked while I stood there. So that didn't even work. So I said, okay, everybody under 21, stand up. And they stood up, you know, and I said, talked about how they've got to pay more attention than everybody because the Bible says they'll respond quicker than all of us. And they still talked while I had them standing up. I was like, this is not working either. So the Holy Ghost said, there's someone here with damage in their knuckles. This lady came down, had one finger like this, and these fingers were cut off. I said, Lord, I'm thinking arthritis, not, not no fingers. Come on. You know, so that's why it's called a word of knowledge, not a paragraph. I probably wouldn't have called it out if I'd had the whole paragraph. So she's standing there, and I said, Lord, thank you for new fingers for her. I command fingers in Jesus' name. Boom, her fingers grew out. Well, the youth group got real quiet when this old lady get her fingers. So we're living in a season where God gets to do some things that it will kind of uh, answer for itself. I like what one guy said, preach Jesus, use words if necessary. And uh, we're, we're living in that season where he gets to demonstrate and display. So that's what we'll talk about a little bit tonight, just about how, how uh, miracles and power for a little bit. And we'll see what all the Lord wants to do, because he, he's so extremely good. Yes. You know, that, that's the thing that amazes me is how uh, merciful he is and how he wants to deliver things to people. Just absolutely amazing. I can tell you miracle after miracle after miracle, just almost kind of bizarre how different words of knowledge I, I've had over the years. You can ask Colleen, it's all about damage. I saw a woman fly fishing in Birmingham, Alabama, in Scott Webb's church. Uh, she was up in the balcony and caught the hook in her eye. And I called it out. She came down and said, there's someone I see you fly fishing, catch a hook in your eye. Came down and got healed. I saw a man uh, get run over by a car sitting around the front row. I said, that's me. Saw a woman fall down the stairs. Damage. In that same church years ago before that, 86, I saw a woman fly through the front windshield of her car. Called it out. She came down. Saw a man working out in the pulpwood field in a pulpwood tree. A big pine tree was swinging like this with a cable. Cable broke. Hit this guy. He rolled over like that. I said, there's a man here. You got hit by a tree. He rolled over and God wants to heal you. And here, those people were living okay. Like the woman that came down that went through the front windshield. She had scabs on her face. But Jesus wanted her completely whole. I mean, it's amazing how he, he wants to reach out to you. I'll, I'll give you one more before I get to preaching. It was that church in Saskatoon had a word of knowledge that somebody had damage in their tongue. pastor's wife stood up. She'd had some nerves severed, having some dental work done, had no feeling in her tongue. Before I could pray for her, she goes, I feel my tongue coming alive. We ate jambalaya that night, and she spit the food out on her plate. It was kind of hilarious, but she said, I can't eat this food. It's so hot, my tongue so came alive. Now, she was living fine and doing good, but God wants you to even know how your jambalaya tastes. 
he, he's just cool. He wants you to be able to, to... She could have made it the rest of her life with her tongue not having the proper feeling. He's just so good and His mercy endures forever. So let's get right into the Word. Won't you grab your Bibles? I don't know where we're going to turn yet, but we'll, we'll find out. So why don't we pray? Lord, we love you. We're so grateful for everyone that came on Sunday night. We're, we're so hungry, Lord. We recognize the time, Father, and we, we, we respond by coming to hear your Word. We're so grateful that you're more than enough. So grateful that, that you can do all things. And Father, we thank you for your, your holy written Word. That you're watching over it to perform it. And Father, we know there's nothing too hard for you. And we, we stretch tonight to see you as you really are. We, we take off any limitation of how big our God is. So Father, we thank you for these last days and how you will demonstrate your glory, your goodness, your mercy, and your kindness through your church. So I thank you for blessing everyone that came. Bless their households. Bless their children. Bless their jobs. Everything they set their hand to, Father, I thank you that it will prosper. And Father, this year, 2015, will be a special year, a heightened awareness of the Lordship of Jesus. A fresh revelation of Him being raised from the dead. Father, we see Him high and lifted up and His train filling the temple. So we thank you for this season and this hour where we get to cooperate with you. Help us cooperate with you and walk as we ought to walk. We thank you for it. You'll get all the glory, you'll get all the honor, and you'll get all the praise. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name, everybody said amen. Turn there to John 14, and, and we'll, we'll get there. Go to John 14, verse 7 or 8 or 9, and then we'll decide where we're going. I can't get my Bible right set up. This would be good to get it right. John 14. Uh, you know, I was preaching in Des Moines, Iowa years ago. A woman had been in a car wreck. They were gluing her back together. Uh, you know, they were taking her spine and you know, trying to make it heal better with this really glue in the, the bones. And she was in terrible pain because I want to get somewhere. We're, what we're taught in is what we're bold about. And in our group, we're, we've been taught in the Word and the power of God. And here this woman, she was having, she got addicted to Oxycontin because the pain was so bad because of her vertebrae. And I got ready to pray for her, and I prayed for her. Uh, you know, no big deal. Just thank, thanking the Lord Jesus paid for it. And uh, she goes, wow, I feel that come all over my body. She goes, I feel relief finally because that pain was so bad. So she gets healed and uh, said, hey, have a great night. So good you redeemed the curse of the law. The next night she came back. She goes, hey, my back started hurting. I guess I'm not healed. I said, well, you're going to hell, aren't you? She goes, no, I'm not going to hell. She, and, and, I, and she just bowed up at me. I said, look how well you're taught in your salvation, but not your healing. You're just as healed as you are saved. Well, I better say that again. Here, Jesus says, what's easier to say? Your sins be forgiven. Rise, take up your bed and walk. We've just been taught so well in salvation, but not healing. I mean, how many of you, after you got saved, the week later, did you go, Lord, save me? But when it comes to healing, we'll, we'll, we'll believe God for healing. and go, Lord, heal me. When, when, why would you pray for something you already have? Oh, good night, everybody. Drive safely. Come on, start the car. I'll be right there. No, come on. You're, we're taught so well. And the devil tells me every day. He goes, you're not saved. Well, the Word says I'm saved. I don't feel saved, but the Bible says I'm saved. So when it comes to healing or any other part of redemption, we have a tendency to be moved by how we feel. Come on. We, we, we are. We are healed. Think of Numbers 21. Remember the story in Numbers 21? Uh, before I'm going to get to what I'm going to preach on, this, this is the appetizer before we get into the main course. Amen. This is the spinach dip and uh, before we get to the burger. Amen. Praise the Lord. But, you know, Numbers 21, they were murmuring against the Lord and against Moses. And those snakes came out. They had been under protection. They'd been out there with the snakes. So the, the protection got lifted because of their murmuring and complaining. And they said, oh, wow, we missed it. The snakes started biting them. They all started dying. 
I mean, it's like, wow, I think we may have made a mistake. They were murmuring against the Lord and against Moses. So what did the Lord do? He said, oh, take a fiery serpent of brass and put it on a pole. Now listen, everyone that, that looks at it, everyone that looks at it, when he looks at it, he's forgiven, he's delivered, and he's physically healed. Poison's driven out of his body by looking at a photograph of Calvary. Not Calvary, a photograph of Calvary. All, it didn't say they had to stand, didn't say they had to plead, didn't say they had to stand firmly, didn't even say be fervent about this. It said if you gaze at it, if you take a, 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 it means a strong gaze at a picture of what Jesus would do for you, they'd be forgiven, they'd be delivered, and they'd be physically healed. Poison driven out of their bodies. Now that was a photograph. Now what if we're going to play a basketball game in here tonight, and we had the goal set up like that, and we're getting ready to play, and, uh, uh, and we said, you know what, or we choose teams and go, you know what, don't worry, I've got a photograph of Michael Jordan, we're going to smoke everybody. And you'd go, you'd go, are you crazy? That's a photograph. How are we going to beat everybody? you go, no, having this photograph, we'll beat all of you. You'd go, that's nuts. But a photograph of Jesus is so powerful, it did exactly what his physical body did when it was on the cross. Oh, come on now. Think of a, can you think of a picture that can do what the person can do? Oh, we're going to play baseball. Don't worry. Get, get, don't worry. i got a picture of Babe Ruth. He's going to knock it out of the park. You're nuts. A, Jesus is so powerful. A picture of what he can do can completely change your life. He didn't tell him to stand. didn't tell him to gaze. He said, just, just take a look at it. You're forgiven. You're delivered. And you're healed. Oh, come on. We're, we just got to be bold about it and daring about it. The bolder you are about it, the more results we'll see. I remember the lady, we were in, in Florida. There was a lady that was, could hear a little bit, but couldn't hear real well. And the Holy Ghost told me to, to, to have Colleen put her fingers in her ears. Actually, I said to someone else, I said, why don't you come over here? You're going to put your finger in her ears. And if you're not healed, you're a false prophet. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I had Colleen put her fingers in her ears. And the Lord told me to slug her real hard. Kapow! And uh, she goes, ow! She goes, that hurt! She got mad. She goes, that hurt! She goes, well, hold on a second. She goes, oh my God, I can hear. And then her husband was mad. I've been back to this church many times. He goes, I'm still ticked off at you. He was mad that his wife could hear what he was saying. Hello, I'm serious. He was ticked off. He goes, he goes that doesn't really go over real well, because now she's going to hear everything I'm saying. And she started going, I just heard what you said. He wasn't used to her hearing what he had said. Oh, come on now. He just, he just loves us. So go to John 14. Let's get in the Word for a little bit. Go to John 14. Look at verse... Let's skip down a little bit. You know, Jesus, Jesus says here in John 14, Philip said, Lord, we want to see the Father. And you know Jesus' answer here. If I can find John 14, help me, Lord. It's here somewhere. My Bible, got, I got it rebound, uh, and uh, they missed some pages here. Well, I'm actually in Luke. That's why I can't find it. John 14. Sorry about that. Look at John 14. Now, this is the cry of, of everyone today. They really don't want to hear about the Lord. They want to see Him. Put up or shut up. So watch up the, the, the response here in John 14. Philip said in, Lord, in verse 8, Philip said, Lord, uh, show us the Father and that will suffice us. In other words, we'll, we'll, this will be better if we can see Him. Everybody wants to see God. So Jesus said, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that seen me seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. And you know the next part here is pretty amazing. He repeats himself. When Jesus goes to repeating himself, there's a reason for this. So look at verse 11. He said, believe me that I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the works' sake. In other words, if you can't believe that God lives in me, at least figure it out by the works you see, right? 
And then he goes on in verse 12. He skips it over a whole, takes it up another notch. You know it. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, we've heard that a thousand times. But here Jesus is just answering that question. We want to see God. And Jesus had the audacity to go, Oh, by the way, I'm so much in my Father, my Father's so much in me, everything you see about me is you're looking at Him. So then He put it on the church and said, Hey, by the way, just as I've shown people the Father, you're going to show people the Son. Pretty amazing. He said, You know, if you believe on me, you're going to do this. And he said, call them works. The works that I do, you'll do also. But, but I like that the Lord doesn't just go, okay, go do the works. I hope you can do it. No, watch what he does. We're going to get into some keys tonight of the miraculous and the power of God so that we can literally access the power of God and the glory of God at will. Mm, hallelujah. So look at the next verse there. He said, and whatever you'll ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I'll pray the Father that he'll give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of the truth, whom the world cannot receive, because he sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. So here's a couple of keys there uh, uh, to, to literally functioning like Jesus. Because this is what we want. We want these, these miracles. We want this power. I mean, even to the point that they asked Jesus, how are you doing this? Now, we use this verse for salvation. Remember Nicodemus when he came to Jesus? He goes, how in the world are you pulling this off? We know God's with you. There's the only way you can do this. And Jesus said, you must be born again. So Jesus said, hey, I'm functioning from another place. That's why you see the miraculous. He said, I am born from above. You are born from beneath. So because of your birth, there's, a, there's an access to that realm. Remember, choosing his disciples, and he said, Nathaniel came walking up. He said, indeed, is an Israelite, and whom's no guile. And he said, how'd you know that? He said, I saw you over there under the tree. He goes, oh, you're a prophet. Jesus downplayed that word of knowledge. He goes, that's not a big deal. Hereafter, you'll see the heavens open and angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Like, this word of knowledge is nothing, but I'm functioning from a realm where the miraculous is normal. And yet Jesus didn't go, hold on, it's going to get spooky. He just cooperated with the Father to the point, this is the way it is. To the point, he went to so extreme here to say, if you believe on me, you'll do just what I'm doing. Now, he spoke to storms. They tried to kill him. He walked right through the midst of them. Oh, everywhere he went, he went about doing good and healing all the oppressed of the devil. So, so here we, we get to do the same thing he did. So he gave us two keys there. And the two keys are authorization and presence authorization and presence. He said, whatever you demand in my name, I'll do it. And we know we've been taught real well. Uh, uh, Brother Hagen came up with a Greek word talking to that guy. And he said, if I don't have it, I'll create it. In other words, if I don't, if, if I don't have this, I'll make it. That's what that means. That's how radical that is that you, to you, for you to be just like Jesus. He said, hey, if you demand this in my name, if I don't have it, I'll make it. Man, I like that. And then he goes, I'm going to put the Holy Ghost in you. We know that, but we kind of blow it off a little bit. He said, he dwells with you and shall be in you. I mean, that's, that's cool. We kind of blah, blah that. But they heard the holiest of holies, God himself, with the cherubim in between them. Come on. Uh, and, and here, all of a sudden, he said, I'm going to take that glory and put it in you. The, the priest would have bells and pomegranates on the bottom of his robe. They'd tie a rope around him. And when he would go into the presence of God, if he hadn't done everything just right, he falls over dead. They, they pull him out and put, send in second string priest. How'd you like me number two? I wouldn't like that. I'd be crossing stuff. I'd be doing all kinds of stuff trying to make sure I'm ready for that. They had a reverence. They had a reverence for that power. Exodus 19, he said, put a fence around the mountain lest they even get near to gaze at me and die. Not because God's mad. He's just so holy and so pure. Oh, come on now. So, so Jesus said, I'm giving you authority and presence.
And the early church just said, okay, so, so go over there. Run over to, go to Acts chapter 8. Let's run there for a minute and we'll, we'll get into what we're going to get into tonight. Man, Acts chapter 8. Look there for a moment. Acts chapter 8. You know the verses real well, but I want to land on something. I know that you know it very well. Acts chapter 8, look at verse 5. If you've got your Bibles, uh, it's good to write in your Bible. Remember, clean Bible, dirty Christian. Dirty Bible, clean Christian. Come on now. Now look at Tom's Bible. It's spotless. It's, not, it's just there. Come on. No, come on. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Acts chapter 8, look at verse 5. Then Philip, went in, when he went down to the city of Samaria, he preached Christ unto them. The people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Wow. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. Many that were taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there's great joy in the city. So here Philip does just what Jesus said, and the city has some joy. You know, the, the city's altered or changed, or you could say it this way, the city's expression has changed from sadness to gladness. All because basically Jesus visited them through Philip. So let's find out how you got results. That's cool and that's wonderful, but I live now, and that's wonderful for Acts chapter 8. What do we do right now? So go over to verse number 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Here you go. There's the, there's the plan right there from John 14. He preached about the name of Jesus and the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is that presence base. Now, what is that? Remember, Jesus said some of you won't taste death until you see the kingdom. What did he do? He took them up on that mountain, and all of a sudden, that present side, that kingdom side, it started radiating through his skin, started coming through his pores. You couldn't contain it. it it's so powerful. It's so amazing that it made his hair look white. Oh, come on now. It's a kingdom that knows no equal. It's a kingdom that doesn't know defeat. It's a kingdom that only knows life everlasting. It's so radiant, it started coming out of his skin. Now, you see that in operation. The book of Acts, Peter walked by people, and that kingdom was an operation. He walked by them, and his shadow got them healed. That's that glory in operation. That's that kingdom. Paul Stone left for dead. Didn't even say they prayed. They gathered around him, and he was raised from the dead. They got near him. Oh, come on now. So here you see that glory in operation. So it's part of that kingdom. So Philip must have been bold about it. Like, I've got something in me that overcomes death, overcomes sickness, overcomes disease. Oh, come on now. It's an overcoming kind of mentality. I mean, you, you think of you know, the Ebola thing, and they had the Ebola masks. There's guys selling Ebola masks on TV. They were selling them for $40 for two. They're like a penny a piece. You know, I got bandanas out there. I couldn't give them away, so I said, okay, they're Ebola masks. But you know what? You don't need an Ebola mask. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it makes you free from the law of sin and death. Oh, come on. You remember John Lake over there in Africa when the, when the bubonic plague was killing everybody? They couldn't comprehend how he wasn't getting sick. He's going in with them without protection. Doesn't get the plague. He goes, oh, by the way, why don't you go put the plague on the microscope? I'll touch it and the plague will die. Oh, he put it on the microscope. He touched it. And here the plague starts deteriorating. The life of God so charged, his body so charged with it, but see, he believed it. How did he get there? Did he get there because he was a great preacher? No. He got there because he'd go stand in front of the mirror and go, God lives in this man. Come on now, you're a mobile throne. God likes mobile homes. Come on now. So here, here you see Philip doing this. You see the kingdom side. And then you see the name of Jesus. Oh, I mean, it, it, just, it just absolutely works. We, we, we want a platform for miracles to happen, and it's so easy. Go back. Go back a little bit. Go back to Luke. Run back over there, and then we'll get to my message here in just a second. Go to Luke chapter uh, 9. You pick out the chapter and the verse. We'll see if you're flowing. Hallelujah. <laughs> 
Go to Luke 9. Look at this for just a second. Now, I know you know this, but I want, I want to build a little bit of a case here before we get into to how this works. Because we all know it, but it's just good to be reinforced on it. Luke, Luke chapter 9, look at verse 1. And then he called the twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Wow. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I mean, Jesus told them before they're saved, even before they're born again, he said, when you, when you get near them, you tell them the kingdom of God's come nigh unto them. And that's pretty powerful. In other words, hey, you get near me, you're getting near the kingdom. And it has nothing to do with us, it has what to do with what's dwelling in us. But here Jesus authorized them, and guess how long it took them to duplicate his ministry? Instantly. Did it take them five years? Take them ten years? They go to school for twenty years? They travel with Brother Hagen, travel with Brother Shambach? No. No, they were traveling with Jesus, so you could almost say, well, that was the twelve. They traveled with Jesus. But you know what? They weren't doing anything until he authorized them. When he authorized them, how long did it take them to duplicate his ministry? Instantly. Instantly they went and did what he did, and they were like, wow, this is radical. All right, well, let's, you say, well, that's just the twelve. Go to the next chapter. Go to Luke 10. Look at Luke, Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed another seventy also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he would go. Now here he authorizes the seventy, and guess what happened to the seventy? They instantly started duplicating his ministry. They, they didn't get into a flow. Come on, Jesus authorized them, and they believed him. And guess what? They were so freaked out, they said, man, people are getting healed, and devils are even subject to us in your name. And he said, hey, that's not a big deal. I have a hell lightning. Satan has lightning fall from heaven. And he said, just rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen? But notice this. You have them functioning in the miraculous instantly. Now, we thought we had to be around some kind of anointing when you got this anointing traveling with you. Amen. So, so what is it about that that's so simple that they did it? Go over to Thessalonians. Oh, man, I can't wait. We're going to get into some fun stuff here for a little bit. Here we go. I might preach a little bit. Help me, Jesus. How many are still glad you came? Come on now. How many are glad you're here not in jail? Come on. No jail. How about surgery? How many are glad you're here not in surgery? Amen. Come on. We're in church. Go to Thessalonians. Run over to Thessalonians for a minute. First Thessalonians. I know that you know this, but I want to go back to Luke in a minute. But watch this in Thessalonians. And, and watch what happens. First Thessalonians chapter 1, look at verse number 4. Knowing, brethren, beloved, our election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sakes. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Notice this. They became mimickers or imitators of the Lord after one message. That message so liberated them, they said, I can act like Paul and I can act like Christ. I've heard thousands of messages and I still think I need to attain to something. They heard one message and they said, I can act like Paul and like Jesus. To the point they were called Christians. They so much looked like him, they labeled them him, Christians. So there's something about that message. It's just a simplistic message of authorization. It's not deep. It's just what Jesus said in John 14. I'm authorizing you. Luke chapter 9, I'm authorizing you. Go back to Luke 9. Go to Luke 9 for just a second. Just run back there. I meant to tell you to keep your place there. I'm sorry. We'll get back there. And I'll sing the latter part of the the service. Luke 9. Look at this. This is cool. Luke 9, verse 49. And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in your name. Luke 9, verse 49. John answered, Master, we saw somebody casting out devils in your name. We forbid him because he didn't travel with us or follow us. And Jesus said, forbid him not. He that's not against us is for us. This guy hadn't even been authorized, but he had enough brains to see what worked. 
So here, the, the, the 12 start doing miracles. The 70 start doing miracles. This guy hadn't even authorized, and he's doing miracles. All because he knew where the power resided. Now, we tried to make it about us. We tried to make it about our walk. Tried to make it about what we've done. Did we pray enough? Did we travel the right God? It's not about you. It's about who's in you. Okay, remember Acts chapter 5? They told them, don't preach anymore in the name of Jesus. They, they forbid them. And then they, you go back to Acts 4, they did it again. They said, do whatever you do, don't preach anymore in that name. The Pharisees didn't like that they magnified the name of Jesus. Why? Because the name brought the same results as his physical body. They knew where the source of their power was. It wasn't in their walk because he, they knew them. They're just ordinary guys. But it was about magnifying the name of the Son of God. Ooh, oh, come on now. And there's something about magnifying his name. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. And the name brings the exact same results as Jesus being there. I don't know about you, but you can have some healings. You can have some miracles when you've got Jesus there. Yeah. Oh, come on now. So when we're gathered in his name, he is here. Yeah. You know, hang with me. I was preaching down in Southern California years ago, uh, Marietta, before I had moved there. And the pastor had had me come to preach on the gifts of the Spirit. And we're doing like an extended service on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday on gifts of the Spirit. I came in the last night of the meeting. And there was a man on the back of the church there laid out. And they said, well, you pray for him. I said, sure, I'll pray for him. Why don't we let him hear the word for a minute and then we'll, we'll lay hands on him. I didn't know what was wrong with him. Come to find out later, his kidneys were completely failed. He was a drug addict. And he wasn't a good candidate to get a new, new kidney. So they, they, you know, he, I don't know. I find out later he's, not, he's just basically at the end of his rope. So I preached a little bit, you know. And at the end of the service, I had a word of knowledge. I saw, uh, I said, there's someone here, it's like you got damaging varicose veins. It looks like varicose veins, but it's not varicose veins. It's like somebody hit you with a two before. And this man yells out, damn, cusses right there in church. I mean, as loud as you can get. I mean, he goes, that's me. And uh, uh, so, so this guy cusses in church. I mean, he did it so loud that everyone in the church could hear him. He goes, that's me. I got hit by a two before. He was at Home Depot and it hit the back of his leg. He's going in for surgery on, on the vein in his leg. He goes, that's me. Prayed for him. He gets healed. Pray for some other people. They get healed. And finally, they brought the man down that was laid out on the back of the church, and they brought him down to the front row, and he was sitting there, and I prayed for the guy got healed that just cussed out loud, okay? So I go up to him, and I said, you know what? I said, look at me. He wouldn't look at me. His head's all been over, and he just, he just looks like he's about to go home and be with the Lord. You know what I'm saying? He just, just looks rough. I said, look at me. He wouldn't look at me. I said, buddy, look at me. And I got down on the floor just like this. I said, hey, buddy, look at me. I said, heal people ought to get up. And all of a sudden, the power of God hit him, and he did the chicken and the swan. He started going like this. He started going, he started going across the front. I thought he's just a member of their church, and he's doing what you think is cool. Come to find out, he don't even know what the chicken and the swan is. He's going, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I said, that would be cool to have on video, you know? So... Uh, Come, lo and behold, by the time we're done, Pastor, it was Pastor David Ellis who it was. He said, do you realize every single person that's prayed for tonight is instantly healed? Yeah. See, we want fanfare. We want cameras. We want, you know, we, we want it to be, yeah. and, and, and it's not like that. No. I mean, th you think about it. Every single person gets healed. Why? Because he hasn't changed. And, and we, we've almost presented that it can't be like that. But now, why is it like this? Simplistic authorization. Now, I'm trying to get somewhere. Over in Germany, uh, Tom was a pastor in Heidelberg. Many times we get on the Autobahn. The coolest thing about the Autobahn is there's no speed limits. And there's nothing cooler than be able to drive as fast as you want to drive. There is nothing cool in that. Uh, John and Michelle took us from, from Bonn to Brussels, 155 miles an hour the whole way. 
and all you can hear is wind noise, and they would have gone faster, but there was a sticker on their dashboard with the 155 with a sign through it because the tires weren't rated for higher than that. If they'd had better tires, we'd been going faster. I said, this is awesome. So that you're authorized to go as fast as you want to go, and while we're going, people are going past us. I'm like, this is the way it's supposed to be, man. This is right. This is righteous that you're going 155 and there are people going around you. But, but, but see, their mentality is just to max it out. If you're authorized to go as fast as you want to go, max it out. I remember Arthur, a pastor from Gifhorn, Germany, drove me from Frankfurt down to Zurich, pegged at Redline for three hours. I said, Arthur, uh, have you ever thought about taking it off of Redline, let the motor rest a little? He goes, well, why would I do that? Like, I'm nuts. For, you know, I mean, you hear the engine going, Meh. I'm thinking, this thing's going to blow apart any minute. But it's that mentality of, if you're, if you're authorized to smoke it, let's smoke it. They don't think halfway. They, it's just full speed ahead. But now think about it. This would be like the church. Think about an American over there on the Autobahn. Maybe you're in a Porsche. Maybe you're in a Ferrari. 500 horsepower and you're buzzing along in first gear. And you think, well, you think you're cool. Check it, out, check it out. Yeah, look, I'm in a 911. I'm in a Ferrari. And you're in first gear. It's ridiculous. Thinking we're cool going in first gear. We've been authorized to look just like Jesus. Come on, we've been authorized to represent him in the exact same, duplicate him in the exact same manner. But we've, been, we've settled for, for, for first gear. Oh, come on, we've got to max it out. If he said we could do the exact same things that he did, we can do the exact same things that he did. Now, now hang with me. I know this is a little different, but hang with me just a little bit. Kenneth Hagin, you know the story so well. He had a pastor that had full-blown sugar diabetes, you know. And Brother Hagin had developed his authority so much, he said, oh, the pastor was going to travel with him. He said, while you're with me for two weeks, you just get near me, you won't register any sugar. Full-blown sugar diabetes. His pancreas is not producing the right amount of insulin, so he's having to manually adjust his insulin. We call that sugar diabetes. So this pastor goes with Brother Hagin for two weeks, and guess what happens? He checks his sugar level, he ate cakes and pies, and he said, it beats anything I've ever seen. My sugar level's normal. He said, what in the world's going on? I wish I could do that. Brother Hagin said, it didn't come by wishing, it comes by believing. There was a residue of two weeks after him coming off the road that he still didn't register any sugar. All because Kenneth Hagin said, while you're near me, your pancreas will come alive. Now, see, it's one thing to develop your authority. It's another thing to develop it so much that people can get near you and it makes their organs come alive. Come on now. So, so what happened? Eventually that pastor uh, realized that that was part of salvation and got healed. But think about developing that, that authorization. Okay? Now, now, hang with me just a little bit more. How many... We, all, we like Wigglesworth, don't we? And we all quote... Uh, don't you love Smith Wigglesworth, you know? I was preaching on the God Channel years ago over in Newcastle, England. Didn't even realize that was where Wigglesworth is from and got filled with the Holy Ghost. I had an actor interviewing me on Gifts of the Spirit. I don't think he was even saved. So he would ask me a question and I'd tell him the answer. He goes, holy cow. And I'd go, oh my oh gosh, this is not good. Because he doesn't even know what I'm talking about. You know, I'd tell him, he'd just, he'd just look at me blank. He's, he's reading the questions. I answer it and he just looks at me. I'm like, this is not going over very good because he's freaked out. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, wow, this is going to be a long interview because it was hours on Gifts of the Spirit. I thought, how are we going to do this? Finally, when we had one of our breaks, uh, this elderly woman walked up to me. She said, hey, you know, this is where Wigglesworth got filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, yeah, yeah. She told me one of the stories. She said, you know, there was a funeral. This one was about 85. This is about almost 20 years ago. She said, she said, Wigglesworth was at this funeral, and a, a woman had died, and the Holy Ghost came on him and said, go raise her up. You know the story. And the Holy Ghost comes on Wigglesworth and told him to go over and throw the woman against the wall. Now, you think about the protocol of being at a funeral. Normally, it's pretty laid back. 
and pretty quiet and pretty reverent and pretty, pretty nothing weird at a funeral. Think of grabbing this woman, picking her up out of the coffin and throwing her against the wall. He throws her against the wall and says, walk in Jesus' name. Boom, she hits the floor. Now, see, that'd been me. I'd have got real low, and I'd, I'd, have, I'd have got out of the funeral home so fast, you, you, I'd have burned the carpet. The carpet would have smoked while my feet going. <clears throat> He's not moved. He's not moved. Watch this. Not moved. Picks her up the second time. Throws her against the wall. I said walk in Jesus' name. Boom. She hits the floor. Buddy, that's where you just tell the family, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. You, you just get out. Third time. Third, imagine that. that. People are gasping. Third time, he picks up the woman, throws her against the wall. I said walk in Jesus' name. Boom. She comes alive. She said, I'm in heaven talking to Jesus, and I hear you screaming at me, walk in Jesus' name. Now, as radical as that is, that's a pretty radical miracle. What's the platform for that miracle? What did Wigglesworth preach on? Faith, the name of Jesus, righteousness, everything you've had hammered into you. That we keep waiting for some move, you create your own move. We keep waiting for, for a miracle flow, you create your own miracle flow. What brought Wigglesworth to that place where he could do that? He taught basic stuff that we've been hammered for 40 years. It's in you. So, Kenneth Hagin, we call it the authority of the believer. It's not the authority of the believer. It's Jesus' authority in the believer. Yeah. Now, see, you think, well, you, you, how are you going to get miracles preaching on the authority of the believer? Just hang with me. That's how it works. Because I, I preached on gifts of the Spirit for 25 years, and, and, and nobody operating the gifts of the Spirit. You talk about Jesus giving you something? See, it's not about you. It's about Him. Yeah. Come on. I remember I was in Italy, right outside of Rome, laid peacefully, in this fire conference. People had come from... The Netherlands and all from the north, and I'm, I can't remember. Just I didn't remember what I preached on. And at the end, I had a word of knowledge that someone had cancer. About ten or twelve people came down. A little girl had a bandage around her head, about twelve years old. And one of the people came up and said, "Well, she has cancer and all this, but she doesn't really know how bad it is or whatever." I said, "Whatever." I have an interpreter, an Italian interpreter. So the little girl standing in front of me, and I said, "You're healed in Jesus' name." My interpreter said it, you know, binga linga chinga or whatever. And they just kind of the parents looked at me like I was crazy. Like, that's it? That's all you're going to do? Now, if I'd gone, you're healed, they'd have gone, oh, yeah, woo, you're flowing. We, we so want Hollywood. I said, you're healed in the name of Jesus. And I even told my interpreter, say it again, because I can tell that the family would not even go sit down. They, they sat there and stood there waiting for me to do something else. I said, I told the interpreter, tell them, I said, she's healed in that name. The only Italian I know is your tango fami andiamo mangiare moto. I'm hungry. Let's go eat a lot. So that doesn't work right there. It doesn't really, get, it doesn't really bring it across what I want to say. So I'm freaking out because they're not getting it. Because when I'm standing in front of that little girl, now this is why the parents wouldn't sit down. They'd given her two weeks to live, cancer all through her brain. But when I'm standing in front of that little girl, I'm not thinking about how long I've been in the ministry. I'm not thinking about what Bible school I went to. I'm thinking about a name that's been given unto me that when I mention that name, it doesn't negotiate with cancer. It eradicates cancer. Come on. His name means miracle. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. When you say Jesus, you're saying divine intervention in the ordinary course of nature. So, so we've made it about us. It's not about us. It's about Him. He never fails. Oh, come on now. It, so, I went back to Tulsa. The, Jeff Schroeder was the pastor there. And, and uh, ladishfully, he said they went back to the doctor. The doctor did a CAT scan, did another CAT scan, did another CAT scan. What in the world's going on? The cancer's gone. So his name means this, and we know this. So that's what Jesus told them. He said, hey, if, you, if you'll dwell on what you're supposed to dwell on, it's not a big deal. Go over to Matthew. Look at this. I know you know this, but go over to Matthew for a second. Go to Matthew 28 real quick. Matthew 28. You know this and can quote it backwards and forward, but I want you to see this before we...
Pray for some folks. Hallelujah. Matthew 28. Look at this verse. And he's so good, isn't he? Look at Matthew 28. Look at verse 18. You know this. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Wow. Think about that. He said, I am he that was dead. Behold, I'm alive evermore. He goes, I have the keys of death and hell. Wow. And then he immediately gives it to the church. And we've heard that a billion times. But you know what? In the Greek, this is what he said. I'm giving you a right to act. I'm giving you freedom of action. You know, the church I was just at, just, just Friday, I was there Thursday and Friday in Pittsburgh. I even t- t- talked about this story there. There was a couple there. Years ago, they had a child that had Down syndrome. I prayed for the baby. The baby was healed. It was about three years old. No more Down syndrome. They, they had a parking lot service, and they supported me with a check almost every year for 20 years. I said, you don't have to send me a check. I'm just glad your baby got healed of Down syndrome. Mongoloid. The symptoms of Down, all the visible stuff. The, 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 the gene doesn't just get better. It's called a miracle. So they were so excited that their baby got healed of Down syndrome. They said, Would you, won't you pray over our 13-year-old? Uh, his 13-year-old was okay, but it's always good to pray over a 13-year-old. Amen? <laughs> Am I in the right room? So, so a few years ago, uh, uh, I was there, and they said, Hey, if you don't mind, at the end, would you just lay your hands on him just to bless him? I said, Sure, well, let's bless him. That'd be cool. And I remember them, you know, because of, of the baby that got healed and all that. So I preached that night on heaven. I never preach about heaven. The youth was back in their youth group. They, they weren't in the service. So I preached about heaven that night. And then when we finished, the youth came in. I said, hey, go get the buddy because they asked me to pray for him. I prayed for him, laid hands on him, just blessed him. He's a disciple taught of the Lord. Great is his peace and uncircumposure. He trusts the Lord with all his heart, leans not to his own understandings. All his ways he acknowledges you. He directs his path, his pathway, his light. There's no darkness at all. Just the, just the word, you know. He falls out under the power. Uh, and he lays there. He's out. He's out cold. So, you know, a few minutes later, we, service is over, you know. He's still laying there out. Have you ever seen a dog when a dog's asleep kind of dream, you know? The dogs will dream like they're running. That, that kid was like dream, you know, out, out on the power of God. He's acting things out. And they said, what's wrong with him? I said, he's just enjoying the power of God. Don't worry about it. Well, you know, come time to leave. You, you know, everybody's at the book table. Man, then it's time to go. He's still out cold. I said, well, let him enjoy it. Haul him out to the car. So they hauled him out to the car. Midway in the middle of the night, the kid wakes up yelling, hey, I just went to heaven. They said, shut up. It's three in the morning. He goes, no. No, 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 I saw Grandpa. He said, Grandpa took his biscuits and gravy and scraped the gravy just like that. I said, man, that's exactly what Grandpa did. He said, that was cool. And that freaked him out because that's what Grandpa did. They was like, oh, my gosh, he went to heaven. He said, that was cool, but that wasn't the coolest. The coolest is when Jesus came in with that golden stick, <laughs> scepter of righteousness, the scepter of thy kingdom. Jesus walked in and told that 13-year-old, I don't have any authority in the earth. I gave it all to my church. Wow. So here, see, we... Here Jesus says, I'm giving you a right to act. What When he came up out of the grave, victorious over death, hell, and the grave, conquered those demons in hell. Remember in Psalms said they were stinging him like bees. What did Jesus say while he was separated from the Father while he's walking through hell? He said, I'll dwell in the land of the living forever. He called those things that be not as though they were while he was in hell. And all of a sudden, the, the, the presence of God, the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Don't you love that? That God has to call himself the spreader of joy. The spreader of joy came on Jesus and he was born again. And he came up out of, that, out of the darkness like that and, and got that dominion and stripped principalities and powers, made a show of them. That means he mocked them. Listen to me. Mock disease. Mock lack. Mock everything that's anti what Jesus did for you. Oh, come on now. We, we've so backed away from Christianity. And see, that's not even bold. That's normal Christianity. Because we've backed away from real Christianity. 
Mm, come on now. And Jesus said, here, you have this. You should have heard that 13-year-old. He got up in front of the church and goes, hey, he didn't, go, he didn't do Elvis. I tell you, you got some authority. He didn't do that. He, we wanted to be like that. He said, he said, Jesus stood there, and I saw that scepter, and, and he told me I have authority. And see, we keep waiting for the Lord to do something, and he's waiting for us to do something. So think about this. Right to act, freedom of action. So you think about, oh man, I can't believe we'll get into this for a second, but hang with me. Think, how many like Brother Eastwood? Everybody like Clint Eastwood? Uh, I, I, like Brother, I, li- I like Brother Eastwood. God bless Brother Eastwood. Now, when I was a kid, my mom would take me to meetings, you know, and, and when I was 70 through 80, it was meetings every night and whatever. I, she didn't ask me if I wanted to go. She said, we're going to church. So it gets in you. But my dad would take me to bars. He'd go, now, I, seriously, he'd, he'd go, he'd take me to bars, take me to uh, uh, Clint Eastwood movies, Dirty Harry, Magnum Force. I shouldn't have been seeing those movies when I was a kid. He said, now that religion's going to wear off, boy, don't worry. He didn't know it was the incorruptible seed, you know. <laughs> so we'd go to Clint Eastwood movies, and my favorite is the one, remember the one, the 44 Magnum? 44 Magnum, most powerful handgun in the world. He goes, you know, all the confusion, you feel lucky, punk? I can't remember if I shot five times or six times. It's an iconic scene, man. The guy's laying on the ground, and, and he thinks he's going to blow his head off because he got that 44 Magnum. But you know what? Uh, it's not real. It, it, it's a script. It's a movie. So here, what happens is, you know, Clint Eastwood's a professional, you know, and they said, okay, Clint, what we're going to do, he probably doesn't even like guns. Come on, you know what I'm saying? But he's a professional, so they go, we're going to give you a prop. At a certain time in the movie, we'll get all the lights set up and everything. This is what I want you to do, Clint. When I say action, I want you to walk over there and act like you're going to blow his head off. And, man, I'm telling you, he gets ready. You know, he's probably nervous about the gun because he's, you know, doesn't like guns or whatever. I don't know. But, you know, all of a sudden he gets ready and he's a professional, and the director goes, action! And he goes, in all the confusion in the world, you feel lucky, punk? Go ahead. I mean, it's awesome. He says, go ahead and make my day. But see, it's not real. How dare someone be that bold about something that's fake? A fake script when you've got a holy script. Come on. How, how dare somebody be that bold about something that's not real when you've got the real? You've got the real script right there. And see, we, we thought, well, in the movie, this is so sad. The Christians thought in the movie we were the guy on the ground. No, you're not the guy on the ground. And then, then we heard a little bit of word and we thought we were Clint Eastwood. No, you're not Clint Eastwood in the movie. You're Jesus. You're his stand-in. He said, I'm not here. Be here for me. As his stand-in, what are you acting like? And wouldn't it be terrible if Clint, the director said, action, Clint goes, you know, the confusion where? You're lucky, punk. Well, it just doesn't have the same, it just doesn't have the same punch, does it? Could you imagine, Clint? No. He, he, he acts the part. Come on. And the... Jesus has said, okay, I, I, I'm a little busy. I'm going to the throne. You, you, you got my part now. The reason why people aren't bold is they don't know their lines. Come on, man. We've been, uh, uh, it, it is written. Well, hello. Come on. It, it, so we keep waiting for something extra when you've got it. And see, with your authority, you set the tone. You completely set the tone. Do you think about what it, we've heard it all of our lives. Whatever you, you have, what you say, you set the tone. The problem is with this foundation of authorization, the miracles are normal, not abnormal. You know, it's just it's just the way it is. <laughs> Hallelujah. Down in Waco, 
uh, there was a woman that came. We were in Waco, Texas the other day. We went Wednesdays through Sunday. She, her mom had been in open-heart surgery, and her blood pressure was not really, really like 1 and 2. It's supposed to be 120 or 80. 1 and 2 is not the deal. So the, the girl, the daughter, came to the church there in Waco. And she said, hey, would you, would you pray over a cloth? I said, sure. And, uh, you know, God wrought special miracles, not Paul. God wrought special yeah. miracles. Laid hands on the cloth. She took it back to the hospital, and the nurses kind of mocked her, like, well, what is this? Gave her a hard time. Put, put it on her. She said all of a sudden the, the, the thing started coming alive. Blood pressure started going up. went normal. Took her out of ICU that day. Put her in a regular room. And the nurses said, whatever you do, go get more of those cloths. Come on. Because the, the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it makes us free from law, sin, and death. It's real. I can tell you 50 stories, 100 stories just about claws where, where people got miracles. Divine intervention in the ordinary course of nature. So now we set the tone. Hang with me. I'm, I'm closing with this. We set the tone with this. This is how we have miracles. If you need healing in your body, it's the easiest thing in the world. We, we take what is ours. Not waiting for the Lord to do it. We, go, we access it. We go, I command my body to be healed. Get in line with the word. You know, Colleen, I, I'll tell you a story about Colleen, then I'll get to this last thing. I got, I got, I'm preaching too long. Colleen, we were in Tulsa. We were living in California, flew to Tulsa for Winter Bible a few years ago. We went to uh, uh, Zach, our nephew's uh, uh, birthday party. He's about 22. And there was a circle driveway at the house we were going to. And it was, uh, uh, we pulled in there, and it was uh, the people were all in the house. So I told Colleen and Lauren, our daughter, I said, hey, you guys go in that door right there. And uh, when they looked through the door, I guess they saw some kinfolks through the window and ended up standing there. Well, I couldn't get through the circle drive because there were cars in front of me. So I went to back up like this, and I looked behind me so I could back up. And I didn't see Colleen and Lauren standing right there. I ran over Colleen with the front of the car. The tire went up her heel and up onto her calf and her leg. I heard Colleen screaming. I knew exactly what it was. She was screaming bloody murder. I thought, oh, my God, I just ran over Colleen. That's not good. You don't want to run over your wife. So I pulled the car off of Colleen, got out. Colleen's laying on the ground screaming. Dogs and cats started running up. Children started running up. Colleen's laying there just like, ah. Lauren's standing there. My daughter's looking at Colleen. I walked right over to her. I said, I command your ankle and your leg to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. I said, get up. And Colleen looked at me like, have you lost your mind? You just ran over me. What you t-? I mean, she, she looked at me like, are you crazy? I said, get up. I grabbed her like that by the hand. As I picked her up like that, the power of God went up and down her body like a heater. You could feel it. Just the, It was the anointing of God. But it was like this, like, just like that. She goes, oh, my God, this is real. We walked into the party, the birthday party. My sister, Michelle, goes, how you doing? I go, I'm okay. I just ran over my wife. I'm, I'm doing the goat boy right there because I'm freaking out. I mean, I just had ran over her. And the, the natural says she's got to have pins. She's got to have surgery. But the name of Jesus completely recreated her bones in her leg. Come on. No, no pain during the party. I flew to Daytona the next day. She flew back to California. No pain. His name means divine intervention. It's a suspension of the accustomed... The accustomed order would be for cancer to grow or something to deteriorate. When you say Jesus, it suspends that. Mm. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. You know, years ago, we were going to go in this camp meeting. I was ushering a church in Tulsa, and I'm closing with this. I've been, I want to give, I've preached too long. 
I was going to this camp meeting. I was, I was ushering in a church in Tulsa. My buddy made me go preach in this camp meeting. So I said, okay. I wasn't traveling full-time. I'd been preaching some, you know, but I wasn't full-time. I'd worked for a couple of preachers. We get to the camp meeting, and the news media met us when we got off the plane. I mean, they had cameras and everything. They said, we want to interview you. I said, man, don't interview me. Interview my buddy. And my buddy went like this. He did Elvis Presley. I mean, in front of the TV cameras. He did his arms like this. He goes, I tell you what, God's going to heal you. And I'm sitting there going, oh, gosh, just invite him to the church. Don't do Elvis. And then he said, this is what he said. He said, I dare you to come to the meetings. God will heal you. I said, oh, man, just ask him to come. Don't dare him. Just ask him. I mean, it just scared me. I was like, oh, here we go. You know, you're talking about feeling, you know. So anyway, it's a Sunday through Friday. That Sunday morning I preached, and it was so horrible. A lady walked up to me and said, now, don't try to do this for a living. I said, well, I said, you're not the first lady to tell me that. You're like number seven or eight. So I said, oh, go, whatever. I mean, it's horrible, absolutely horrible. So, so she said, don't try to do this for a living. I said, okay, I get it. Trust me, don't worry. I got it. I've had that before. So, so Sunday night we're coming back. After a horrible meeting, we come back Sunday night. And my buddy's waiting in the back while they're doing the music, you know. And, and I'm standing on the front row going, man, he needs to get in here. It's time for the service. I'm standing there. All of a sudden I look up and two angels standing there. And I'm a word guy. My mom, I was brought up in a word home. You don't ask for angels. you got a more sure word of prophecy. Two huge angels standing right there, looking right down at me. I looked up at them and I just ducked my head. I looked back up there and there, I ducked my head. I thought, this is interesting. <laughs> Because, you know, they really don't teach you what to do when two angels come stand there. So I think, I ain't going to do nothing. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And so my buddy comes walking in. He goes, you got anything? I said, no, 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 don't have anything. It's all over you. It's all over you. Woo, go for it. <laughs> so I don't, I'm freaking out. I look over there, and there were kids. I'm almost a section about like this. There were children on the ground. There were angels all over, like guarding the children. And Because, uh, see, it's real. It's not fake. It's real. Just because we don't see it, that, that realm is real. So I sat down. Those angels are standing right there. My buddy gets up to preach, and they're just standing there looking at me. I'm kind of, okay, here we go. What's up with this? Holy Ghost said, those angels have come to deliver a woman a new heart. I thought, well, you know, the guy will probably call that out. That's cool. He finished, didn't call it out. He says, you got something? I said, well, I guess. I said, there's someone here who needs a new heart. This lady got up, come walking down. She looked like congestive heart failure. She, I said, Lord, heal her quick, because she looks like she's going to go home before I can pray for her. So I said, Father, I thank you for, for taking care of her. You, your back was beaten, so she wouldn't have to have this. So what you paid for, she doesn't need to bear. I command her heart to be whole. She falls out, gets up vibrant, goes back to her seat vibrant. My buddy gives the altar call. She gives her life to the Lord. She gets healed and saved. Her family came down with her and got saved. Well, she goes back to the doctor Monday morning. This was Sunday night. Remember Sunday morning was horrible? She goes into the doctor. She walks in there, and he goes, wow, check you out. You're kind of bebopping. She, said, I, she goes, I'm healed. He goes, well, I'll be the judge of that. He goes, she goes, I went to this crazy church service. <laughs> she said. And she goes, I'm healed. He goes, he goes, well, I'll be the judge of that. He does an EKG. Does another EKG. Does another EKG. Does another EKG. He goes, I don't know what to tell you, lady. You have a heart of a 17-year-old in you. The doctor was so freaked out, he called the news media. Remember the news media interviewed us? He called the news media. You know when you have visitors, you want to have a comm service? It was a circus service. Like, do 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 flying young man on the trapeze. It was a crazy, it couldn't have been any crazier, and the news media was there. Don't you love that? And you find out that they're there. Uh, it was one of those kind of services. It scared me, and I'm not really afraid of anything. I'm like, oh, my God, what are we doing? So... The paper came out Friday afternoon. You, know how you have your foyer like that? You could not get in the foyer. The place was so packed with people from everywhere. The paper came out that day. Angels bring woman new heart. Christ redeemed her from the curse of the law. So all these people came that night. My buddy preached the gospel. People came down to the front and got, gave their life to the Lord. Now, how had we, had, we have that miracle? Great preaching? No? Lady told me, don't, don't even think about doing this for a living. <laughs> You know, so, so, you know what I mean? We, we want to we make it about us. It's about him. How do we have that? My buddy set the tone. 
He said, I dare you to come. God will heal you. Every day you set the tone for whatever you're going to receive or whatever you're not going to receive. You set, you set the tone. How, you set it however. Think about 2015. What, what, do you, what are you setting the tone for for 2015? Oh, come on now. This, this is the year for the church. You, you got physical signs of the coming of God to the planet. How much more fireworks do we need to go? I think I ought to kind of step in and operate like the Lord. Come on. Because you are who will do this. So when it comes to you personally, we receive this. We receive this glory. You need a miracle? You need healing? No problem. You got it. You you want to function in it? He has authorized you. Think about that. Think about that. Jesus, the one who was, who is, and is to come. The captain of our salvation. Bright and morning star. The brightness of the glory of God. Matthew, he's the Messiah. Mark, he's the wonder worker. Luke, he's the son of man. John, he's the son of God. Acts, he's the Holy Ghost. Romans, he's the justifier. Corinthians, he's the sanctifier. Come on now. Galatians, he's the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Colossians, he's the Christ of unsearchable riches. Come on. He's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Come on. What what more do we need when we have him in every book? And what is he all about? He's life everlasting. Come on. He, He hasn't changed. We've treated him like he's changed, but he's the same tonight as he was back then. Hallelujah.